I'm Effie Parks. Welcome to Once Upon a Jane, the podcast. This is a place I created for us to connect and share the stories of our not-so-typical lives. Raising kids who are born with rare genetic syndromes and other types of disabilities can feel pretty isolating. What I know for sure is that when we can hear the triumphs and challenges from others who get it, we can find a lot more laughter, a lot more hope, and feel a lot less alone. I believe there are some magical healing powers that can happen for all of us through sharing our stories, and I'll take all the help I can get. Once Upon a Gene is proud to be part of Bloodstream Media. Living in a family affected by rare and chronic illness can be isolating, and sometimes the best medicine is connecting to the voices of people who share your experience. This is why Bloodstream Media produces podcasts, blogs, and other forms of content for patients, families, and clinicians impacted by rare and chronic diseases. Visit bloodstreammedia.com to learn more. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Effie Parks, reminding you about our friendly, rare, and relatable Discord group. My buddies, Bone Daniel, and I are hosting a special Rare Disease Day event over on the server. It's text only, no live video or anything. And we're going to have experts and overall awesome advocates available for a live Q&A on subjects from mental health to making rare disease films. The link is in the show notes, so I hope you can join us. Today's my first time doing a two-part episode. If you missed last week, please pause here and go back to episode 119. I'm back with Catherine to chat more about the unique type of isolation and guilt that can happen when your child is one of the few who got a treatment. Let's jump right in. Please enjoy my conversation with Katherine Alexander. Katherine, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Effie. I'm so excited to keep chatting with you. I know. I was like, can I just put Katherine on my calendar so we can <laughs> hang out? Yes. Anytime. Anytime. <laughs> well, I wanted to continue our conversation from last week because there's just so much important stuff that's going on in your life and your experience through getting a cure, getting a treatment for little Connor. And I just I wanted to dig into it a little bit because I've been hearing the theme so often lately and it's really just it's hurting my heart. Yeah, it's an important topic and it's so new that I don't think it's on people's radar screens or maybe it is, but it's they're not realizing it. Yeah, I've spoken to so many families over the last two years of doing this podcast. But I feel like especially lately, when I hear from certain parents, I get kind of the same response. And whether it's their child is an adult now in their 20s or something, or they've lost their child, or their child has a treatment, the theme is the same where they don't feel like they belong anymore. And they don't feel like they necessarily fit in with our community because you know, for all of those reasons I just stated. And yeah, I want to talk about it because I know yours is extra unique in that obviously only 5% of rare diseases have a cure or a treatment, but yours also got it so soon and was one of the first to get this revolutionary treatment, but when he was a baby. So I want to talk about what that feels like and what is some of the stuff that you've been going through mentally and emotionally after Connor got a cure? Yeah. Well, it's weird because initially you'd think that you would be thrilled and you would be super relieved and you would just appreciate every day um, and kind of go about your life. And 
that's not the case for me. And I think with these therapies, even though, yes, he's, I guess you wouldn't say cured. I think the right thing to say is more like it's keeping it at bay. It's kind of keeping the symptoms from starting. So it almost is like it's there in his body because it's not gene replacement therapy and it's not gene editing therapy. It's very confusing, all of these gene therapy, all of these terms, but to permanently fix something like what Connor has and to, because he's missing this gene. And so the SMN1 gene. So to permanently fix that, he would have to get another like gene transfer therapy is technically not permanent, which again, that's confusing because I think people think gene therapy, oh, it's permanent. It's actually not. And so, but they don't know how long it could last his whole life. It could last 20 years. It could last 40 years. They just don't know. We just don't have enough data. But I mean, at least it's something, right? So it's like, yay, he got something and he's pre-symptomatic and he is living with this in his body as kind of like a chronic condition, I would say. But like he can do things that other just children who don't have this condition can, can do. And that's a miracle and it's amazing. But on the other hand, there's so many question marks and we just don't know so many things that most of the time I'm a nervous wreck. I don't feel relief at all. I actually feel really scared and really kind of confused and extremely isolated because no one else is really in this position that we're in. Connor was the first and the youngest to receive both Spinraza. He received four doses of Spinraza, which is a different type of therapy just to keep him pre-symptomatic until he could get the gene therapy at three months old, till it was safe enough. And so he's the only baby who, you know, was his age and pre-symptomatic to receive both of these therapies. And they obviously are working very well. We just have no guidance. We have no other people we can call up and say, hey, you know, how's your kid doing? My kid's doing this. Is your kid doing that? You're just kind of out there. And so often, most days, I'm a nervous wreck. So I don't really think about it like, so here's the other thing. I beat myself up because I'm a nervous wreck. So I feel badly that I feel badly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're constantly told that Connor is a miracle by yes. everyone, which it, he is. It is a miracle. But then you're fighting all of these other emotions. Yes. And yeah, yes. it's difficult to reconcile, obviously. Yes. And and I think for other parents that whose child may have passed away or whose child is older and or, you know, if they've received some type of a therapy that that's Im improved their child's condition, you know, I, I can completely relate because he still has um, SMA type one. And he'll always have it unless in the future he was, he gets some type of gene editing therapy that will actually give him a new gene. And I don't know if that will happen, but you know, he's, so he's still part of this community, but you can't see the condition. It's there. How do you reconcile that? How do you, what do you do? Like not even the doctors really know what to tell us. No one 
knows what to tell us as far as, oh, he should see these specialists X number of times a year. Oh, he should not do contact sports. He should not eat these foods. He should, no one has a clue. They don't even know how to measure his progress on like a physical therapy scale because they can't use the one that they were using for children with his condition. So they're creating a new one with with his help kind of like using him. And it's like, that's awesome. But on the other hand, I don't want to be in that position, even though to me, that sounds ungrateful. I feel ungrateful when I say that because it's like so many people would love to be in that position. That's not how I, that's, that's not where it's coming from. Like, I mean, I feel a lot of guilt that we, I'm like, why did this happen with us? And, and Connor got this and so many other kids don't get this opportunity. I don't understand. I have a hard time with that every single day. It kills me. And that's one of the reasons I'm doing what I'm doing and talking about it is because it helps me to, to kind of get get past that feeling. And at least I'm doing something about it. And I'm trying to help other people because I really want to give back because of, of how I feel. And again, like I said, there's, there's really not there's not a big group of people out there that are in our position. And so, you know, how do I process all of this and, and deal with it on my own? And I mean, obviously my husband is dealing with it, but we are very different in how we process these emotions. And, and, and it's, it's been difficult for us to communicate about it. We actually don't communicate about it that, that much. Unfortunately, we're trying to work through that, but it's, a work in progress. And I, I think we come at it from two different perspectives. So it's hard for each of us to step back and look at the other one and say, okay, wait a second. He's looking at it this way. And you know, how can I kind of adjust my view? So it's closer to his. It's very hard to do that, especially when you're super anxious all the time. With more of these therapies and development, there's so many, I just saw like a number, I think it was like, like 90 applications to the FDA for different types of gene therapies this year or something, something crazy. I mean, which is great for rare, rare disease. I mean, what that means is that rare disease is top of mind for everybody right now, including pharma, big pharma, and including the government, which is, I don't know how, you know, you, you could say that's good. It is, it is ultimately, you want the FDA to be paying attention, but we have to think about this stuff. Like, we have to start thinking about these things because so many more kids are going to receive these therapies and so many more parents are going to feel like this. And what do we do? You know, how do we deal with that? I don't know. So that's what I'm trying to figure out. Well, I thank you so much for being so open and honest about your experience. I think it's so valuable and I think people can see themselves in your thought process, whether they're a parent who has a kid who's maybe on, you know, the lighter side of the spectrum in their groups. Like, yes. I know for me in CT and MB1, some of those kids, some of those kids are running and they can talk and they can read. And, yep. you know, sometimes depending on my state of being, that's hard for me to see. Yes. Not because I'm not happy and excited and thrilled, but because it's sad sometimes. You want that for your child. And it's like, why can't my child do that? Yeah. And then I go, well, my child's here. Yes. What about my friends who lost their kids? You know, so I think there's always this tug 
no matter where you are, no matter what the disease is, no matter what the experience is in your family, it's just a human experience and it's all valid. And it doesn't matter how hard your story is to you or to someone else, because all of these emotions are real. And we all come from different places in in understanding them and knowing how to cope. And I really feel like it's so important for the comparison game to just le- just fall away because it has no place here. I agree. That's really well said. I've always been told, don't compare yourself, especially by my parents. And you inevitably are going to compare yourself to others in so many different ways throughout your life. But in this arena, I think it's especially important to remember that these conditions are so individual to each child. And there's not anything, there's nothing, no two children are alike because this gets to the core of our being, which is our DNA and our genes. So we're all so different and everyone is going to have a different kind of reaction to these therapies as well. Right. So like, that's the other thing. I mean, there could, if there was another child like Connor, he might not be doing what Connor's doing. And do we really know why we don't, it could just be the way that his, you know, it could be his makeup because it's different from Connor and because Connor received something at this hour and he received it at this hour, you know, our bodies are changing so rapidly when you're that little that hours and minutes make such a difference. So you could really get into like the nitty gritty if you start thinking about this and it could drive you nuts. I mean, I have driven myself crazy, especially right after Connor received the gene therapy and he started to improve and everybody was saying, oh my God, it's a miracle. This is amazing. And um, I, I still felt a lot of grief. I still felt really sad. I still felt like I don't, I, I don't agree in some ways with what everybody's saying. I don't feel relief. And I didn't know what to do with that. I just kind of kept it inside. I would just smile at people and be like, yeah, yeah. Because people would say, oh my God, it's amazing. Like you must be so happy. And I'm just sitting there going, are you kidding me? I must be so happy that I know that I'm going through this. I'm still like in the grieving process. My child still has this. Going down that road is really like trying not to compare yourself. You're going to compare yourself. And I mean, again, like I have actually, I've listened to podcasts with uh, parents. There's a gentleman named Dr. Al Friedman who I listened to a podcast where he was talking. He's amazing. I loved his advice and his son had the same thing as Connor, but he was born in 1995, I think. And so of course there was nothing for him, but his son still lived into his mid twenties and had an amazing life despite having this condition and having so many things kind of against him. And he only recently passed away. And so I actually reached out to Dr. Friedman because I wanted him to know that I feel that his son, part of him lives on in my son because, you know, they're working, I get emotional around this because they were working so hard for a cure even back then. And I wanted him to know that his son's legacy 
is here and it's alive and it's in my son. And I'm, I think about it every single day. I think about our son every single day. I think about all these parents who have kids who passed away. I think I literally think about these people every day and their children, I hope they know are living on in my child. And so that's, that's another way I kind of feel better about it is, and by the way, he did write me back at the nicest note and he was so happy. He, so it was really helpful to get his note because he wasn't bitter or upset or like, why didn't my son get this? And your son did. He was thrilled. He was like, I'm so excited that the work that we put in and, and that everyone's done the work that everyone's done, like has resulted in this. This is, this is thrilling. This is amazing. I'm so grateful. So that was really helpful to read and to know. And I think that, you know, that's, that's another way that I've kind of tried to deal with this feeling. It's kind of like taking action in some way, because what else can I do? Uh, You know, Catherine, I was late getting you the link to record this podcast today because Al called me actually on the phone. And you probably heard him on my podcast. I Um, probably did. (laughs) But he told me he spoke to you and he told me he spoke to Miranda and Elisa Seeger recently. And he was calling me to tell me that he was so grateful to have been able to speak and to be able to meet all of you and to know that everything that we're all doing by talking and sharing is making a difference in each other's lives. And he just felt so grateful to just be able to contribute and to know that Jack's memory lives on. And I'm so happy that you connected with him. I just really was like, my son Connor is going to know who your son is. He's going to understand, you know, what you guys went through and he's, he will know. So I just want you to know that I think about this all the time and, you know, I'm not just like, Oh yeah, you got to care. La la la. And I don't think anyone would be like that, but I I wanted to know his son made a difference in our lives and it's a huge difference. And it, it was so helpful to, to, get his perspective on Connor and it helped me to kind of feel better. So that was really great because that's not easy these days, like for me to kind of feel better about things and kind of calm down. Um, It's, it's difficult. So I really appreciated it. He's awesome. Um, I'm really glad that I discovered him through you. Yeah. Oh, Al's the man. Um, and I I love that you feel that way. And obviously you would, right? Like there's probably so much of what, lack of a better term, survivor's guilt that you have yes. for your son. And I'm sure that it's sometimes scary and sometimes so many things to probably be in an SMA group and be one of the families who got this early and whose kid isn't having any signs of the disease deteriorating their body. And that's probably really scary all the time. Well, I'm sure most people are so genuinely thankful that this happened to your kid because that's what everyone's fighting for. I understand the uneasiness there. And I'm sure at points without any real meaning, people are envious and that's okay too. 
they wouldn't be human. They wouldn't be human if they weren't envious. I mean, you wouldn't be a good parent if you weren't envious. Like, <laughs> like you, you're not, you have a heart and a soul. You want the best for your child. And when you're unable to, to provide that yourself, it's excruciatingly difficult. I feel these people. I feel them. Like, uh, that's what I, I like to say to people. I feel you. And I hate, too. I used to hate when people say that, said <laughs> that. Cause I'm like, that's such a like hippie, like 1968, like, you know, thing to say, but it's so true in this case. I mean, I can't say any other, there's no other word to use. It's like, I'm just like, I feel you. I feel you. And I understand your pain and, and sadness. I, I understand. Yeah, I totally agree. And I feel I feel that for sure. And I also feel that when something like this happens, when something good happens, we all feel that and we all get hope from it. And whether there are all of the swirling, quote unquote, negative emotions surrounding it, it is good. Yes. And I think people are grateful and happy for you. Yes. I think another thing that I would I would say that I think is relevant to the to this topic is just generally like I wish more people would so I I think with rare disease people who are whose friend you know say you're friends with someone your children don't like your children children are fine but your friend has a child who is diagnosed with something and it's like it's almost like it's like when somebody loses a child like or goes through a death in the family or of a close friend you don't you don't know what to say so you don't say anything right or you kind of back away from them because you're like well i don't want to bother i wish that more people would not back away and and say to me like how's how are you doing how's connor doing because i would appreciate that i I know that people are thinking about it, but no one talks about it in my life. And I don't want to always have to be the one to bring it up because I, I won't bring it up. And I think I'm sure this is happening across the board with people. They probably feel really isolated too, because people outside of that, that aren't going through their experience and that don't have a child that's ill um, or who passed away, they probably don't know how, you know, what to say or what to do. So they don't do anything. And I, ju- I don't know. I just wish that people would kind of talk about it more. It's okay to chat about this stuff. It's, it, it's a good thing. You, do you know what I mean? It kind of goes along with this whole, like no one talks about Connor to me and, and even the, no one asks me about the gene therapy or anything. No one even asks about the gene therapy. I can imagine that nobody goes beyond this. How are you? Oh, my gosh. Connor looks like he's doing so good. Totally. You're so lucky. Yes. That's awesome. That's and it. it probably ends there. But nobody's going, how much anguish do you feel? Yeah. How scared are you that this might not work? Right. How anxious are you? How isolated are you feeling from your community yes. by not being the same as anyone? What about feeling guilty about being yeah. scared yeah. and having a cure? Like, yeah, I definitely understand people just kind of giving you the supermarket greeting and questions and not digging in because I think, I mean, that happens for all of yeah. us. I mean, 
it's so different. But even my life, you know, people really only say Ford looks so happy and he looks like he's doing awesome. And I'm like, he is happy and he is awesome. But man, I cried my eyes out all day yesterday because of this, Uh, you know, like nobody necessarily goes there so much when your kid isn't in the hospital or when things aren't, you know, on the wire. So, yeah, I get that, like not necessarily feeling like you can have meaningful and deep conversations as often as you your soul necessarily needs to yes and and I think I think the message is just like you have a friend with a sick kid or somebody who has a child with a rare condition like Connor has just ask them if they need anything ask them you know you don't have to get into it but just ask them they're feeling all right um you know are they, you know, how are, how are they doing? Uh, really like, and you don't have, again, you don't have to get into it, but just even the gesture or just like bring over some cookies or who knows, like just even showing up at their door and being like, Hey, I was thinking of you and I wanted to check in or even phone conversation, not text, phone conversation. Like have a conversation with them. That means something. And I think, you know, I, I hope that people will start doing that more. You don't have to be afraid of this. These children know nothing else. This is who they are. And that's good. That's okay. It's who they are. So we need to stop tiptoeing around it and, and talk about this stuff more. And they'll be so much better for it. They're already going to be so much better than we are just generally because of what they've been through. But, you know, they'll be even better. So I think just keep that in mind because that's that's important and that will really help people. I know that you're still in this and you're always going to be in this. But what kind of advice do you have for the parents who feel so separate in the matter of maybe their kid is an adult, maybe their kid has passed away or like yours has a treatment for now? How would you comfort them or be any sort of guide to let them know that their story still is valid and that it really matters to people that are behind them in the journey or who need something from their little wisdom box. Yeah. I think for me, what's really helped me is, and I like to think about it in a way that, so I I do a lot with mindfulness techniques because it really helps to ease my anxiety and to keep me grounded and to kind of keep me in the present day versus just constantly being worried about the future. And, and to be present for my kids, all three of my kids. And so there's George Mumford again, who I love his advice because he's an expert in the Buddha and mindfulness, but he doesn't talk about it in terms that are kind of like hard to understand as a lay person. I mean, because I'm not into that. I'm not really into that stuff, but he talks about it in a very practical way. And he puts things in a way that it's where it's easy to use them in your everyday life. And um, one of the things that he was talking about, he talks about the four A's and I love it. And I think about it all the time. I think it's really helpful for people 
it would likely be really helpful for other people who are going through a similar experience to, to our experience or just anyone who's going through a difficult time. So the A's are acknowledgement and then acceptance, which that was a big one. Uh, I, I was kind of like, wait, wait, acceptance? Nope. Nope. Don't like that word. And then the third one is action. And the fourth one is assessment. And so I think that, first of all, you have to kind of like forget your definition of acceptance and think of a new, the new definition, which for me, acceptance now means kind of just like understanding that something is true and it's happened and it's there. That's acceptance it's there and it's right in front of me and I cannot do anything about it. Here it is. That doesn't mean I'm not putting a judgment on it. I'm not saying I like it. I'm not saying I don't like it. I'm just saying it's there. I I accept that it's there. What am I going to do? And so that's why action comes next. And I love that because the action part of it really makes you feel like you're you're making a difference and you're doing something like for me that helps me to process everything to deal with my grief to feel like I'm part of something because I don't have this group of people who are going through the exact same experience and so to be to kind of get into other groups where people are taking action to help people and so like reaching out to you, reaching out to Dr. Friedman, reaching out to, to people like the every, at the Every Life Foundation and saying, what can I do to help with, get the word out about newborn screening and the fact that nobody trains people on what to do after the screening is done. And, you know, how can we change things? I think that's really helpful. And that has helped me feel more of part of a community versus feeling like I have no one to relate to. So I don't know if that would help other parents who have the feelings that I do. But for me, that's really been uh, a big, a big deal. And, you know, it's, it's also helped me generally with my anxiety and just to kind of process my grief. And I'm still doing that. And I, I'll probably do that for a long time. And you know, it's kind of never ending, um, really, but it helps me to, to kind of take a step back and it has helped me to look at each day and go, Oh, you know what? Everyone's fine today. Look, all three kids, all three of my kids are fine today. Everything's good. I'm going to be happy right now. It's, it's just like we talked about before with Cheryl Strayed. Put yourself in the way of beauty. You, you're not, I read an awesome quotation. I was going to send it to you. It was something like healing. And happiness are not, they're not like just, they're not just going to land in your lap. They're not given to you. They're not guaranteed to you. Just because you do everything right. Just because you, you had a, you're a good person. That doesn't mean anything. Like life is life. And so you, it's on you to get off your butt and feel better. Get off your butt, get over there and do what is going to make you happy. It's not going to just happen. And that's something that was like profound for me to realize because I always, I grew up thinking, well, if I'm good, then good things will happen. And that's not the case. That's not life, but that's what makes life 
awesome. We can get very deep there with this, but again, it goes back to kind of the whole Buddha thing. That's what I would say to these parents. I would say, take some action, like accept it. So acknowledge it's there, accept it, which means it's true. There it is. It's in, it's, it's here. My, I lost my child. My child is gone. Now, what are you going to do moving forward? How are you going to keep your child's legacy strong? How are you going to get the word out there about XYZ that you care about? You know, whatever it is. I love everything that you said. Thanks for sharing that with me. And I'm so honored to have these conversations with you, Catherine. And I think that it's so cool how compelled you are to get out there and to change this to status quo, like you said. And I really think that your words are going to resonate with so many people of so many different walks in our rare journey. And I really believe that this conversation is such a valuable one and such a now conversation that we need to have, especially as I feel like people are kind of waking up in certain ways, right? Like in emotional intelligence and just feeling like bringing all of themselves to the table is a really important piece of being human and not just being strong and sturdy and steadfast all the time. Well, that's probably a positive that's come out of this stupid pandemic. It's like stuff that brings you to your knees. Like that's the stuff when you're really in the darkness, like that's, that's the light right there. You know, like that's when it's transformative right, for sure. Right. If you can see it and yeah. if you can make a choice and if you can come up for air. Yeah. And that's all you really have to do. All right. Well, we'll continue our conversation offline. Yes. But thank you, Catherine. I really appreciate you being my guest again. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to share it. Thanks so much, Effie. I hope you've been enjoying this podcast. If you like what you hear, please share this show with your people. And please make sure to rate and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also head over to Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to connect with me and stay updated on the show. If you're interested in sharing your story, or if you have anything you would like to contribute, please submit it to my website at effieparks.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show and for supporting me along the way. I appreciate you all so much. I don't know what kind of day you're having, but if you need a little pick-me-up, Ford's got you.